Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. If you're in Melbourne at the top of Collins Street on the 24th of March, outside the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade, you would have come across a rather large rally organised by the Timor Sea Justice. They're calling for a fair maritime boundary between Timor-Leste and Australia. Francis from Timor-Leste spoke at the rally. Viva Timor-Leste! Viva Povo Australian! Sorry, I don't have a text to read. I'm here to learn how to read and write well. That's why I'm here from Timor. Back in 99, when the Australian army, when the Australian troops like Chip drove around my island, Timor, there would always be a bunch of kids who chased them and say, hello, mister, hello, mister, chocolate. And we looked at them like God. They were helping us. They were our friends. They were our saviors. In an interview with one of the newspapers yesterday, someone asked me, has your view about Australia and the Australian army changed because of what happens? I said, no. No East Timorese would ever forget what Australia did in 99. It's always a living memory in my brain, in my system, in my DNA. And I'm sure that goes for every Timorese alive. In Australia, something I learned is that if you harass someone, you can end up being in jail just for saying something harsh or doing something stupid. In Timor, for 24 years, when your sister is kidnapped or raped or killed, it's nothing for the Australian government. That went on for 24 years. How cool is that? How nice is that? Remember, Australia was the only one, the only country in the world that recognized the illegal invasion of my country. 1942 memory, for some reason, just disappeared from the Australian government's brain. Between 40 to 60,000 people who lost their lives in my island all of a sudden became nothing. What was it for? There's probably an answer you all know. The oil and gas revenues. I'm so proud and I'm so happy, I'm so grateful. There's still many of you who are standing here with me. I came from a very non-democratic history. And that goes for every Timorese who is here. Colonization for 450 years. And after that, with the support of the Australian and American government, another 24 years of brutal occupation. Should I know much about democracy? No. Should I know much about honesty? No. Should I know much about transparency? No. I come from a very black background, even more black than my skin. And that's why I'm here to learn democracy. I'm here to learn honesty and transparency. But what I learned here from the Australian government 
ripping me off, giving me some money to study, and telling me it's so nice. But the next minute I realize the money comes from the oil of my country. So again, thank you very much. Viva Timor Leste! Viva Povo Australia! Thank you very much. What do you want? When do you want it? Thank you. In the crowd was Senator John Madigan. This gave Stick Together a chance to ask about his views on the Timor-Leste affair, but also to get an update on the anti-union ABCC legislation scuffle going on in Canberra. I ask you about being here today. Uh, the amount of people are here today to support Timor-Leste's uh, rightful bid for what is truly theirs. Um, it's a real blight on the Australian conscience that Timor um, doesn't get what's rightfully theirs. Uh, whether uh, or not people say they're getting 90% of it, we're only getting 10% of it, I don't care. They should be getting all of it. It's rightfully theirs. And um, in the Second World War, these people's you know, grandparents saved Australians' lives. And Australian servicemen said that we would never forget them. In their hour of need in 1975, we abandoned them. 24 years later, we went back and did what was what we should have done in 1975. And in the ensuing 17 years, uh, we haven't given them what is rightfully theirs. They're our nearest neighbour. They have very close ties to Australia's um, security. We should be encouraging and nurturing a safe, harmonious and prosperous East Timor. It's the right thing to do, it's the moral thing to do, and it is in Australia's strategic interests. Can I uh, ask you about the ABCC legislation and the coming election? Yes. (laughs) So it's a fairly tricky sort of affair. Can you tell us anything about uh, what's going on in the Senate regarding the ABCC legislation that the government seems determined to uh, push? Look, from the outset, everybody's entitled to have an opinion. Um, And everybody's entitled, if they choose, to have um, collective bargaining, collective representation. There are uh, many people in our community who can't speak for themselves. That's a fundamental right of each and every human being, and in this case, every uh, individual Australian, if that's what they choose. Now, what I fear is that this is... um, become a very ideological argument um, to suggest that there is only corrupt behaviour or illegal uh, behaviour in the union movement is disingenuous. Um, There is systemic regulatory failure on many fronts in Australia Um, The vast majority of unionists and the vast majority of business people are ethical and reputable and do the right things. 
and I'd encourage, you know, the reputable unionists and the reputable employers, as I say, which are the majority, to step up and weed out those people who aren't. Um, and I stress, I do not condone illegal, fuggish, coercive behaviour in any way, shape or form. But currently, the Senate and the government is acting as judge, jury and executioner. Every person has a right to a fair trial. Every person has the right to the presumption of innocence until proven guilty in a court of law. The Royal Commission uh, has levelled allegations and has findings. They are very serious findings um, that Justice Hayden has handed down. And they must be dealt with, um, you know, quickly and within the law. Um, But if you erode the rights of one, you erode the rights of all. I'm looking at this in into the future and to what this will mean for the rule of law in our country. Well, the thing too is that if there is serious charges, they can be dealt with by the courts. We do have a legal system. Well, we have a legal system. We shouldn't be undermining that system. We should be adequately resourcing the system funds to deal with these things in a timely manner, not for it to be ongoing for years. You know, and one doesn't have to think too far back to the Coal Royal Commission. And for people, um, the Coal Royal Commission, have go and have a look at how many actual prosecutions there were. And I think you'd be lucky to count them on one hand. But the fact of the matter is I believe one of those prosecutions was for a person who committed perjury it was nothing to do with a legal behaviour but a personal matter. So conducting a trial by innuendo and naming people in the Senate, uh, for me, is a gross injustice. The people need to be given a fair trial and if, if they're found to be guilty and to have broken the law, well, throw the book at them. But, you know... This situation that we've got where people's reputations are destroyed, allegations are made, um, the proper place for this to be conducted and trialled and convictions, if that's what a court decides, is in a properly constituted court. Not in the... um, not by the media, not trial by media, trial by innuendo, trial by allegation but by a proper court process that all Australians expect and, most importantly, all Australians deserve. In a sort of way, it uh, pulls uh, the system into disrepute because the people that are being accused of these, uh, uh, well, something, um, they can't defend themselves because this is in Parliament and it's in a Royal Commission where the uh, evidence, the... uh, evidence level is not as uh, strenuous as in a court. Uh, I mean, in fact, as you say, uh, a lot of mileage has been made out of uh, reputation uh, mucking, but on very flimsy... You know, um, as I said, you know, trial by innuendo, trial by media, 
trial by allegation undermines the fundamental premise of getting a fair trial. How on earth could you draw a, a jury that hasn't already got a preconceived idea about an individual after the way the government has conducted itself under parliamentary privilege? Parliamentary privilege is a privilege, and with that privilege comes responsibilities to, you know, be fair. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. Stick together. You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're listening to Stick Together, Union News and Social Justice Issues. We will leave the hands off Timor's oil rally to move on to one in support of CSIRO, CSIRO and against staff cuts. So last week it was announced that 350 jobs would be cut from the CSIRO over the next two years, a decision which sparked outrage amongst climate experts and also the general populace. Um, As many as 110 positions in the Oceans and Atmosphere Division will go, with a um, similarly sharp reduction in the Land and Water Division. On the line now is Professor Will Steffen from the Climate Council. Thanks so much, Will, for joining us on 3CR this morning. My pleasure, thank you. So CSIRO's chief executive, Larry Marshall, uh, said recently that, uh, or in the last um, 24 hours, that since climate change had been established, further work in the area would be a reduced priority and therefore uh, they do not need uh, these 350 people in these jobs. What do you say to this and what is the ongoing work that the CSIRO is is needed for um, regarding climate change? Well, first of all, that, that, that's a seriously simplistic and misleading view of what uh, climate change is all about. Certainly, we know that the climate is changing, and certainly we know that the reason for it is the emission of greenhouse gases. That's well established. But there are many features of how the climate is changing, how fast, uh, how rainfall, for example, is changing, that we still have to learn a lot more about. And it's these features that are really important in terms of impacts, in terms of dealing with climate change, uh, and so on. Uh, so we're putting at risk enormous parts of our economy, our well-being and so on, uh, by simply shutting down uh, the vital research we need to deal with the problem. That was a report from uh, Tuesday Breakfast on 3CR from February the 9th. And uh, the issue hasn't gone away, of course. It's just been building and building. And uh, on April the 2nd, CSIRO staff and their supporters had a rally on the steps of the State Library in Melbourne. I'm Michael Tullum from the CPSU and our union working with the Australian Youth Climate Coalition um, has organised today's rally because we're facing a bit of a crisis in Australian science. Now I've uh, read the, uh, the, uh, what is it, the uh, corporate statement for CSIRO and it's all about uh, returning funds to Australia using science as a method of making money really. What, why is this a crisis? Well, for 100 years, Australians have benefited from public investment in science. In fact, in every, every, every day, in, uh, in our everyday lives, we benefit from this, the innovations, ideas and discoveries of CSIRO, whether that's Wi-Fi or wearing contact lenses or using plastic banknotes or a myriad of other things. We all benefit from our public investment in science. That's science that's for the public benefit. But now... Under the direction of Malcolm Turnbull, CSIRO are being told to switch their focus from benefiting the public, from doing the research that's important to all of us, to switching their focus to research that will benefit corporations. 
So there's two different things going on here. So the new guy that's in charge of CSIRO is an expert in productising scientific inventions. Now, it's quite clear that the government has a very simple idea about science. It thinks it's all about innovation equals uh, a scientific process that then gives you a product that then makes you money. Why is that not the nub of science? Deep science, long-term, uh, 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 long-term research projects are not always... They don't always, pro- they don't always produce the outcome that you expect. And most importantly, for a lot, of the, a lot of CSIRO's work, climate's a great example, there's no immediate commercial interest. Having said that, though, climate research, of course, is crucial to all of us. What, what I'm getting at is, is it's an ideological shift and, and the notion is that um, everything is about the mighty dollar as opposed to social good. You've said it perfectly. That's exactly what's going on here. For more than 100 years, we've had the CSIRO funded by the public for the benefit of all of the public. And now what the government proposes to do, what Malcolm Turnbull proposes to do, is to turn CSIRO into some sort of boutique consultancy for his big business friends and for new startups and for, uh, uh, and, and, uh, and for investors. That's not what CSIRO is for. It's not what we need in this country. No, no, Sam, but you're the... Mem- you're the I'm uh, the secretary of the of CSIRO this, right, Staff Association. Yep. That's right. Um, why is it important for people to come out today? Well, this rally is going to be a demonstration that everyday Australians won't stand for cuts to climate change research. And this latest round of cuts to CSIRO is the last straw. And we need the federal government and Malcolm Turnbull not just to talk, but to show real action and save these jobs and save climate change research for Australia's future. Now, uh, these cuts and the reshaping of CSIRO have been going on for quite a number of years and the uh, collaboration with universities, the rebalancing of things of this nature. But now this is a step too far? Absolutely. These latest round of cuts will cut more than half of CSIRO's climate change capacity. CSIRO is the leading Australian public science entity that contributes to climate change research. It's one of the world's most renowned climate change facilities. And this this round is absolutely a step too far. We will not be able to measure and mitigate climate change without the effort of CSIRO into the future. Now, this is a rebalancing, a recalibration of public interest versus private profit uh, when it comes to CSIRO. Uh, Is it... uh, politicising science to such a degree that it leaves Australia in an insecure position? Absolutely. It's very much a high-risk strategy to use taxpayers' dollars to invest in start-ups and, and, and venture capital to see if they succeed and produce jobs. We need to produce jobs by sustained investment into areas like climate change and environmental research. So there are industries, whether they're agriculture, whether they're tourism, can flourish into the future. So jobs are created by climate change investment, not by investment simply in start-ups and commercialisation. Senator Janet Rice. These cuts to CSIRO's climate science are political cuts. These are Turnbull's cuts and these fit absolutely hand in glove with their agenda of cutting science research and fit hand in glove with, you know, essentially 
Turnbull has inherited from Tony Abbott his attitude that climate change is crap. You would not be cutting climate change research now if you believed that climate change was as serious as we, as everybody else knows it is. And he keeps talking about innovation. He ties it with making jobs and future prosperity of Australia. If commercial interests are the people who are going to most benefit from CSIRO and the public dollar that's put into CSIRO, does that mean that everything that's being discovered is in confidence because it's commercial? And what does that say about the public interest role of CSIRO? Well, the the public good science and the public interest role of CSIRO is the thing that is most under threat with this shift to this new warped CSIRO that's basically open for big business. And it's very clear from the decision making that we have had revealed to us with the documents that have been um, that were asked for by the Senate that we've only just got in the last couple of days, that this decision is all about getting rid of public good science. In email after email that we've now looked at, there's been reference to saying that public good, it's not enough. You can't just do science because it's public good science. It has to be commercialised. It has to be able to return a dollar. And what I find most frustrating about this, of course, is that the climate change science that we're doing and the the knowledge that we have about climate change is so important, in fact, for Australia's economy. If you look at being able to adapt our agriculture, being able to adapt our fisheries, you know, our tourism industries, but that's not being taken into account of because it can't, you can't get, CSIRO can't get a buck out of this research, you know, in the next couple of years. It's so short-sighted and, and really going against what the overall charter of CSIRO is, which is to be doing public good science. And as our premier research institution, the only research institution that's got the certainty of long-term funding, CSIRO needs to be doing public good science and yet this is cutting against all of that. The idea of what universities are for, what CSIRO's for, it's sort of reminiscent of Charles Dickens' hard times and utilitarianism, isn't it? And it is. Look, it's it's sheer barbarism and sheer vandalism and it's really sort of cutting against everything that we know that we should be doing. Changing our economy to a modern 21st century century economy, um, you know, shifting away from polluting coal, gas and oil, shifting into renewable energy. We need our climate science. We need our ability to mitigate against the effect of climate change. We need our ability to adapt to the um, what sadly are the already sort of built-in impacts of climate change and you know and we need CSIRO to be absolutely at the centre of doing that. I'm from 3CR can you tell me why you're here today? Uh, well my, my son is studying science actually at the moment he's an astrophysicist and I, I want him to have work but I think the work he's going into is so vital and important I just you know it saddens me to think that funds are being cut from science at a time that science is so critical to our survival, our future. So when you talk about science, uh, you're not talking about business science, are you? You're talking about science discovery. I'm talking about science discovery. I'm talking about things that are going to, you know, take us forward into the future. So I'm here to find out what these people are talking about, but I support any scientist in their endeavours in in this world, and I just think that we all need to get behind that. And and it saddens me to think we've got a backward-looking government who think that it's a good time to axe any money to any science. Cutting us all the time. Are you from CSIRO? Yes, from Werribee, yeah. Yeah, and so uh, what does this mean for your work? More work for the workers that are there. They just keep on, as I said, cutting, 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 and we have to pick up all the slack. You know, it's, we're working more and more hours. They don't care what we're, you know, we're doing in the work place at all really we're just numbers now we're not you know we're not faces anymore 
Now, when you're doing science, you have to prioritise what you're seeking and looking after, and it takes a long time to get a result. Of course it does, yeah. yeah. It takes so, a long time. And so the government is saying, we want this particular result, but that's not how science works, is no, it? not at all. No, no. It take, as you said, it takes a long time to get results. It certainly does. They stand up in front of the media and say, we're, we're backing the... We're backing our scientists and they're trying to say we need research and this and this and this in the country and we, we have to get cleverer. And at the same time, they're slashing away like buggery behind the scenes. Can you tell me why you're here? Uh, to support my colleagues. Yeah. Yeah. What do you mean colleagues? Are you a scientist? I'm a scientist, yes. And I believe they provide a service to the international Australian community. So uh, what's wrong with Turnbull's plan of uh, making money out of innovation and directing CSIRO purely to that? I can't think of an answer to that. My area is really the science side of things and just knowing these are monitoring programs, long-term investigation of what the world is doing now, what it will be doing over the next few uh, days and months and years, knowing where we are. And that's why it's important? Absolutely. I'm from 3CR. Do you want to tell me why you're here today? Um, Hopefully to save some jobs for CSIRO. Why is it important? Why is it important? Um, It's critically important to our country to have um, the support of science for for industry, for our climate. Australia, of all places, has the um, most fragile climate climates in the in the world, and it's just ludicrous that they're targeting climate change scientists. The science protects the country, and until something goes wrong. Um, then you've got no backstop. So to get rid of the scientists is just crazy. I'm from 3CR. Can you tell me why you're here today? Um, to help save um, CSIRO jobs. You know, the government talks about innovation and, and um, we're going to be the clever country, yet it's cutting funding to CSIRO and cutting jobs to CSIRO. So I think uh, they don't understand that a lot, lot of um, great breakthroughs come from basic research and we don't seem to be doing that anymore. So scientists have to be uh, entrepreneurs... Yes, they do. They do. That's the way it's going at the moment. So um, with the new CEO, uh, that's what he's all about. Does it make you a bit tired? Yeah, it does. It does. It's, it's very draining, you know, and uh, it's... Yeah, I, I worry, you know, for, for myself who's, you know, going to retire in four or five years, I worry about the, the young scientists coming through, you know. They... they um, it's hard for them to get long-term tenures, um, things like that, where they can develop a career. You know, it's just turning people away from science. You work for CSIRO? Oh, yeah. That, uh, the decision to abandon uh, climate research in CSIRO is a stupid one. Um, I think uh, if you remember that in 1949, CSIRO built the fifth computer in the world, and subsequently they decided there was no future in developing computers. This decision, I think, will go down as a comparable one. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Francis from Timor Sea Justice, Senator John Madigan, Michael Tullum from the CPSU, Sam Popsky from the CSIRO Staff Association, Senator Janet Rice, and the members of the public and CSIRO staff for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 
9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.